0: Bless your name, Lord. Bless your name, Lord. I just want to, um, before I share, I'd just like to do something. I don't want to be naive, and I want to welcome the presence of God amongst us. And Father, we just want to welcome you among us this morning. Thank you that you reign supreme. Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we welcome you by your Spirit with us this morning. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Lord thank you, Lord. And Father, I just want to bind every work of the enemy in and through us right now in Jesus' name. I pray, Lord, that you would expose the hand of the enemy who would want to steal, kill, and destroy from you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I pray, Father, that our eyes might be open wide, that our soil will be fertile to receive that which you have for us today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Charles. <coughs> Thanks, Chris. Nice, Chris. Thanks, Chris, for <coughs> stepping up. Chris, Thank you. Thank you for stepping up and stepping up. We value it as a as a family. You can do just what you like. You're the boss with this thing. Is that better? Is that better? I just wanted to—I've I've actually called what I want to share this morning back to basics, because I really just feel that that's what God is calling us to—to to remind us of some of the basic principles uh, of our faith, because we must be careful that we don't. An uncle of mine who was my mentor used to say to me, "Dave, don't just feed the giraffes. Remember, the bokis work on the ribworm The buck also um, graze under the tree." So <coughs> sometimes we come with very lofty. Um, principles. i my <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> I tried this morning. I'll stand a bit close to, closer to my razor next week. There we go. There we go. We're still just experimenting with mics, so please be with us for a while. Um, I want, to share, I want to share something. I want to go right back to the beginning. Actually, it's one of the reasons that you're here this morning, so I don't want to miss the opportunity for explaining it. I'm going to explain it again, and I'm going to explain it again and again. Paul was knocked off his horse and it changed the known world at that stage. He, was, he, he, he started reaching out to the Gentiles. From that experience, the Lord took him into the desert and taught him as it were face-to-face forever. For a while i mean it wasn't physically face to face but he had paul's attention personal attention for that for that time and um and it affected that whole known world at that time and something happened to joel and myself on the 10th of october 10 to 10 at uh, we were in the Kruger national park and um prior to that the lord had been dealing with me personally she wasn't with me she came home and the Lord is dealing with things for, with me very per, on a very personal level. I'll share one or two of the things with you. And um, the, the lightning struck us to the extent that both of us thought after it, after that, that moment, that we actually should have been dead. We felt like it was an ideal moment for both of us to go together. Um, but the Lord had other ideas. And so we lived. Jill was knocked down behind me. She was lying on the ground. I thought she was dead. And when I turned around I could hear a groaning and I said, thank you for the groans for the first time in my life. <laughs> and I and and and, and I bent down and I didn't know how to I didn't know how to apply first aid. I was never taught how to help somebody who's just been struck by lightning, so all I did was rub her back and encourage her. Eventually she, <laughs> eventually she came around and she was able to stand up with me. But as you can imagine, we were pretty shaken. The next day, Jill cried just about the whole day. The day after that, I just about cried the whole day. It was an intensely emotional time for both of us. As we were going up to the Kruger National Park, this is the pre- predominant question we had in our minds. Lord, what do you want to do with the rest of our lives? We're getting to the place where we don't feel irrelevant anymore. Um, we, 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 we felt irrelevant in a certain social capacity, but in a spiritual capacity, we felt alive and said, Lord, please use us. Repurpose us. Show us what it is you want to use for the rest. And I asked the Lord for 10 healthy years. And so we've got a program of, of 10 years of establishing him and his presence in George. And we said, Lord, it, whatever it costs, honestly, this is our praise." going up to the Kruger, Whatever it costs, Lord, we don't want to protect our health and our wealth or everything that we might have and keep it as our own. We want these 10 years to be the most fruitful years of our lives. And so this was, this, and then the lightning strike came, and Jill and I obviously had a lot of questions to answer straight after that. The day after I stopped crying, stopped crying, I said to the Lord, Lord, I'll step up because I mean the clear it was it was so crystal clear. The verse the Lord gave Joel that morning was about Paul in in Acts. Get up, off your feet. I've called you. I mean it was as clear as anything. And and so so what happened was we said, Lord, we wanna we wanna we wanna pre- present ourselves for duty. But if I get involved, Lord, I don't want to get involved with the church. It's just gonna maintain the status quo we we were part of a, a live vigorous church in the beginning the spirit was all I mean it was amazing every time we gathered it was amazing and kind of I had to part of Lord dealing with me personally was to show me a tree that had part of it had died and he said to me Dave you feel like that tree part of it is alive but part of it is dead and I said Lord I own up please forgive me for allowing that part of me to die and there was that period after that, I said, Lord, yeah, we are. But Lord, we we coming for a New Testament church. No, nothing else. No religion. No, no tradition of man. We want to get healthy spiritual traditions. But no tradition of man. And we want to see you like an Acts church among us in this, in this city. So that was what we kind of stuck our hands up for at that time we willingly and with excitement gave ourselves, both Jill and I, said, Lord, here we are with whatever you want to do with our lives. Why am I repeating this? And I might repeat it over and over, over the next while. It wasn't just a personal encounter. When we came back, we said, yes, we want to start and plant a church in George. We contacted our apostolic elders, the local elders in the church. We said, we want to We want to plant a New Testament Acts church in town, and we were given the blessing all round to do that. I bounced it off people that was much closer to us, and I said, listen, is this foolishness that that we saw? Do you sense it's God? Everybody said, we sense it's God. Let's go and do it. And so you become part of that journey. You become part of that saying, Lord, we're not going to do it by tradition. We're not going to do it to maintain the status quo. I want to, I want to, I want to share with you this morning what church you've, you've stepped into. We're not going to compromise. And I'm hoping that when compromise is detected in me by anybody around me, that they'll point it out and say, Dave, we can't go that route. We can't just do it to do the thing. We're not, it's not going to be about a him and a thing. It's going to be about you. And your glory amongst us. Now, you being here makes you part of that journey. And so I want to, I read that testimony because I wrote, coming out of the Kruger, I realized that I'll have to hold this before me. And I read it at least once every two weeks. I read through the, I think it's 13 pages that I wrote, and I read them letter by letter because I remind myself what God has done. I remind myself of the journey that he wants us to be on. But one of the things that I've said at that time is, Lord, you'll have to help me guard my heart. You'll have to help me guard my heart. You see, I don't know if I can be trusted with my heart alone. And so I remind ourselves that if we want Jesus, we're going to have to turn our backs and repent of offence. We're going to have to love our enemies. We're going to have to pray for those who despitefully use us. And it's amazing how we pick up so many opportunities to do it the easy fleshly way. How the enemy kind of dangles things before you. And it's like things of justice. No, but I'm right. They're wrong. I'm right. They're wrong. You know what I'm saying? And we kind of absolve ourselves from from the... We think we 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 got justified in do that, and we actually put ourselves up on a platform above God because He says, "Forgive those who despitefully use you." We haven't got a reason on the face of this earth to hold any single one person an offense against them, or call them our enemy. Not one. Not even your mother-in-law. Not one. David, I'm watching you. Not one. You you cannot. There isn't one person on the face of this earth that we can say we are justified in resisting them, pushing them aside, and thinking we're better. And so I found myself over these last few days dealing with some of this offense that I've discovered in my own heart. And I want us to pray together this. Can we do that? Father, I want to thank you for Pierre and Rudy I want to thank you, Father, for them sticking up their hands for you and pursuing you. I want to pray, Lord, that you will bless them. I want to pray, Lord, that you will bless that church in Jesus' name. Father, we're doing it this morning because we want our hearts to be free so that we haven't got stuff in our hearts, Father, that keeps on dragging us back into this world of offense and defense, Lord. Every father, every one of them, we pray that you will release them to pursue your purpose for them, and that congregation, Father, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. I'm not going to be subtly caught into nurturing an offense because God has called us in the city. One of the first books I ever read on on divine healing, and this was a a doctrinal journey I had to make during that time, was by a Catholic priest called uh, Father Francis McNutt. He wrote a book on spiritual healing. I used it as a textbook. I mean, he was a Roman Catholic priest, practicing Roman Catholic priest. And he wrote this book on spiritual healing that turned all my lights on. It was amazing. I started to pray for the people in Kipmanswip where we were at the time for healing. The church started to fill up. Young Inge Dermany came to me one day. He said, Dave, I hear what God is doing amongst you. Can you please show me and help me? I mean, it was an amazing, amazing period. So yeah, he and I would go hand in hand to visit the sick people in his congregation at the instruction of a Catholic priest. You know what I'm saying? It was, it was a weird scenario. And I'm so grateful to this day. I mean, Francis McDowd hasn't journeyed his whole life with the Catholic Church, I believe. He's left and got married subsequently. But it was an amazing religious experience or uh, theological experience I had to make at that time. In, in spite of my preconceived ideas of, of Catholicism or my preconceived ideas of the reform, I mean, us in the Catholics, I was in the Methodist ministry, there, us in the, the NK Church are fairly close. So that was an easy journey but the one to go under instruction (laughs) of a Catholic priest, both of us. And God did amazing things because his heart is for the sick and the wounded. His heart isn't for our preferences. His heart is for the sick and the wounded. And so I want us to guard our hearts. I want to ask you, won't you especially, not for any other reason, other than if anything happens to us, we have to have God in our corner. We've got to have him in our corner. Sometimes we do things that keeps him out of our corner by holding these preferences and these things against people, whatever it might be, or institutions, whatever it might be. And God cannot climb into the corner with us because we are pushing him away through our attitude. And so I would embrace him. Be careful to embrace him. And so I'm very ready. I hope you are to forgive your enemies. Forgive those who you call yourself an enemy. You you might call yourself an enemy. I was just born again a couple of months when a missionary, I was busy um, helping someone clean his boat and uh, said to me, how much do you love Jesus? I said to him, "Uh, that's that's a difficult question to answer. How much do you love Jesus? How much do you love Jesus? I said to him, I just gave my life to him. I love him with everything I've got. He said, have you got an enemy I said, how can, that's a lousy question. But yes, I can identify one or two. So he said, that's how much you love Jesus. That was a wake-up call for me. I've kept that as a guiding principle for me in life. And so I want to, um, I want to encourage us as a congregation. I want the presence of Jesus amongst us. I covet it. I long for it. I eat and sleep it. When I I read the Bible, that's all I see, that God wants to live amongst us. God wants us to be his people. God wants us to be his sons and his daughters, and that's what I'm pursuing. Pursue it with me, won't you, as we are on this journey together. Obviously, when you get to the age of um, 56, like I have just got... um, Sorry, Joel says it's a lie. Father, forgive me for lying. Okay. You see, I mean, the Lord brings the right people across your path. Ecclesiastes 7, verse 4 says, It's wise for us to think a lot about death. It's wise. And so when you get to, to our age, you think a lot about death. It's not that I want death. It's not that I'm coveting death. I'd love to be with Jesus, to tell you the honest truth. I'd love to. But I'm not. I'm saying, Lord, until those 10 years are up. You <laughs> can ring the bell when the 10 years are up. You'd love to be with him. A wise person thinks a lot about death. Won't you think in the context of your deposit on earth before that time? Won't you think of it? Won't you think of the commitment? An insurance agent comes knocking at your door. He says, "You know, you need a life policy because when you die, your wife and kids." So you you decide to invest in a life policy so that your wife and kids. I'm sp- speaking from the man's point of view, so that your wife and kids can be cared for when you're gone. This is a bigger decision than that. the The, the other one maybe means poverty for them. While you, when you're gone, this means victory, not only for you, but for every person potentially that you could touch from then on until you die. It's a huge investment. It's not the huge investment so much that we are making; it's investment that God has made in us. And as I realized, and one of the comments that I made in my journal was, "Lord, it's been such a huge investment, but not mine. Mine is nothing." God's made a huge investment in me in sending Jesus to die for me. He had me on his mind when he died on the cross. A huge investment, an investment of his son in the future of mankind. And I'm carrying that investment in my hands, and so are you. We're carrying that investment. And it has to bear interest. He looks for fruitfulness. Jesus pursues fruitfulness. He curses barrenness, pursues fruitfulness. He wants us to prosper, body, soul, and spirit, in every area of our lives. I, I'm, so, you know, as I was preparing this, I said, Lord, I'm so thankful for so many of you who have made that step up, <laughs> or to follow us, like if it, if you can call it that, I mean, it's Jill and I don't take it lightly. To invest your lives in the journey with us. We are so, so, so grateful. But you know, there's a, there's a part of it that pains me too because so many of you stepped up. If we're going to see this town saved, we can't battle to find people to do the sound. Do you know what I'm saying? It's a, it's a tiny little thing. We have to get involved. We have to say, Lord, this is ours and this is your vehicle to reach the city. So even if it's cleaning toilets, I want to be part of it. I wanna, this is where I want to be. This, I want to be part of your body. I want to be an example of a church that's looking for prima donnas. I want to be an example of service like you were. I haven't come to rule over you, Jesus said. I have come to serve. Jesus said that. And so I say, thank you, Lord, for that example. Thank you. Help us to walk in step with you. And so it's with a, I mean, it's with a huge sense of gratitude with what God is doing amongst us that I, that I write this. Really, I, I mean, I've just, I get so excited. It was when the Wayne last week ministry, weren't you so blessed? To Annette the week before. I mean, I feel like getting saved all over again when they preach. You know, it's just, I get so excited. And I don't take that commitment lightly. We, th- we, we go to the Lord, we say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And Carl's coming up soon. we will pray for him. Sean, who's involved with us as well. All giving their lives consistently. Yapi, Francie, I'm so grateful for those journeying with us. So grateful. But guys, we need to, as a congregation, I said to you earlier on, we're in this together. That's why. Jill and I were struck by lightning, so that things can look a bit different in George. No, honestly. Honestly, I believe that. I believe that if, if someone could write the Acts of the Apostles of George, that you would see that. You would see that he would... They were struck down by lightning, and then life flowed out of that. Not through them, but through what God is doing and wants to do. And so I'm so grateful for that. You see, and I'm so aware of that on this journey, when you, when you go on, on a journey, where do you start your journey? Where would you start your journey? Let, let's say you want to go to the Wild Coast, not the Wild Coast, the West Coast to see the flowers in September worth a worthy holiday, believe me. We had a fantastic year there one year, 2015. Where, where do you start? I know where I start. I've got every single brochure I could. I looked up on the internet every picture I could of all the flowers. What's the best time of year to go? And so you always start your journey at the beginning. No, you start it at the end. You start it at the end. You see, unless you burn that picture in your mind as to what it could look like, you're not going to go. You're not going to sacrifice unless you've got a picture, unless you've got an image of what it's going to look like. I mean, people go to the Angolan coast now to catch fish, I believe. Is it Angola? I think it is. They're catching Kabul Yo. I mean, Kabul Yo, cobble Yo, and Kabul Yo. Everybody's going there. What have they got in their mind when they say to themselves, I'm going to pay... 20,000 rand to get there and back. I'm going to make sure I've got a car rods, Gary's getting all excited. Car and rods and all sorts of stuff in order to just get there. It's the fish. It's that it's that fish that starts to tantalize them and keep us going in that direction. So I want to I want to hold that before us this morning. Can I do that? I want to hold that picture before us this morning. You have made them in Revelations 5 verse 10, speaking about us, John's vision on Patmos that he got, and he's saying to God, you have made them, us, a kingdom of priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. I don't find loss and despair in that. I don't find failure in that. And they will reign on the earth. What does that look like? I don't know what it looks like entirely, but I'd like to see it. If I open up the book of Acts, I start to see it more and more. How the early church started to reign on the earth on behalf of Jesus. It wasn't as king as they expected in an earthly king, but it was as a spiritual king, God taking ownership of the earth, and putting his arms around the earth and saying, go, go. Go, I've invested in you. Reign as my priests and as my king, as kings on the on the earth. We God's appointees; He has appointed us for that role. Revelations twenty two, from verse one, says, "Then the angels show." I love this picture. Read it every now and again, and i dream a little bit. I think in pictures, so forgive me a little bit if i get carried away. And then an angel showed me the river of the water of life as clean as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood a tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of of the nations. Isn't that a wonderful picture that we can look forward to? When I close my eyes, I mean I can just see it. I can hear birds singing amongst those trees too. I just see this the scene in front of me where God is saying, This is what's intended, this is what the goal is, this is where we're going to. What wade into that stream and feel my presence with you. I love that picture. You see, it's pictures like this when I get a little bit of disheartened, I, I read them over and over and over because they start to encourage me to see my God in a different light. I was having a conversation with someone the other day and they, and they kept on referring back to something in, in, the, in, the, um, in society and the news and that kind I said, take your eyes off that stuff. Don't look at it. Don't meditate on it. Don't go there. Meditate on what God has got for us. Meditate on the end, on the fish. Meditate on what is on the other side. Let's make that our, our vision of what it looks like to serve our king and to be part of what he has got for us. So we make Corinthians 2 verse... Uh, sorry, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 9 says, So we make it our goal... This is what I want to embrace and encourage all of us to embrace. So we make it our goal to please him. Whether we are at home or in the body or away from it, we make it our goal in life to please Jesus. We make it our goal. This is the last battle. And we've got victory over that too. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, "Revelation 12... Verse 10, then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of God and the authority of his Christ. Just listen to the words, powerful words. Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom, his rulership of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren, who accuses them before our God day and night, has been hurled down. They overcame him. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love love their lives so much as to shrink back. They overcame him. Thank you, Lord. We can have victory in that area. We are not subject to demons and demon powers. It's Jesus and his lordship. Demon powers are, Alyssa Basak, God has come to establish his kingdom. And that's where we need to align ourselves with and make sure that we do. We are overcomers. We are overcomers. What goal have you got fixed in your head? What's the end of your destination? Where are you on your way to? What are you giving up your sacrifice for? Your time, your money, your effort, your involvement with people, your love, your commitment to other people. What's the, you're giving all of that. Why? What's your picture? You see, unless we've got that firmly established in our minds, we'll never venture there. We'll always get caught up in the power of the moment. And we don't want to stay there. We don't want to stay in the power of the moment because that's life, life destroying. There'll always be a reason not to. We need to create with ourselves enough reason to do, to be there where he wants us to be. We have to have it fixed in our head. You see, as I was thinking of this, I thought, Lord, because I, I want to spend the next day or two speaking about some of the basics. And God has commanded us to lay hands on the sick and that they will get well. In other words, he's commissioned his disciples, and we form part of that body, go into all the world, preach the good news, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, and teach them everything that I've taught you. And so we do that. And so maybe with us who are a little bit older, it hasn't happened enough, and so we grow a little bit despondent. The tree, part of the tree starts to die, because someone is not healed. And they may be not healed too often for me to feel like I'm not the smarty in the box anymore. You know what I'm saying? We just feel down. Or maybe what's happened is in the course of life, I've got involved with stuff that I should never have got involved with, but now I'm involved with it, and I'm, giving, I'm offering excuses for my involvement and not dealing with, with the destruction of the moment. And so what happens is we've got our one hand on God's hand. Let me, why don't you come stand here for a moment. We've got our one hand in God's hand, and he says, go and heal the sick, cast out demons, raise the dead, and for us it sounds like a bit of a fairy tale, and place your hands on the sick, and they will get well. And so this is God's intent and purpose is that from Him, from His power, from His dunamis, the power of the Holy Spirit, from His dynamis, we pray for people and they get well. But the thing that happens is that sometimes this happens. And there comes something between this. It's not yeah, it's not yeah, but it's yeah. It's stuff that we've got to deal with in order, thank you, Lord in order for us to make sure that when we are touching people my challenge is always lord do it in me do it in me to such an extent that you can trust me to do it through me i want him to trust me with people i don't want to mistrust myself i've always i've always kind of the the Strength I've tried to build into my sexualities. Lord, if I'm on an island with 10 naked women, I'll be faithful to you. Do you know what I'm saying? I have to. I have to build that strength into my character. Otherwise, what happens is that the power of the moment destroys us. And when we look again, there's temptations and doubts and fears between us and him. I don't want it to happen. I don't want that to happen. When Chris, is, when Chris here, he, he said to me, he's given me a rhyme, which I've, I've known the, the steps, but he's given me a rhyme. He said, is of sonde, of wonder, of verbonde. It's wow, of sonde, of wonder, sins, wounds, and ungodly agreement. You're going to call it that. Vows. See, and sometimes we make those. And that's what causes the distance. In fact, sometimes what happens is that there's so much guilt and doubt that we don't even want to do it again. I want to. I love the the language that the power of the Holy Spirit, having worked in a mine with dynamite for for quite a while, one realizes the power of the dynamite, and I brought a stick of dynamite with me this morning, and this is intended, the power of the Holy Spirit is not intended for me, it's intended for where the sickness is, you would agree, that's what it's there for, it's not so that I can notch my Bible, a notch so it's intended for where it is. But what happens is sometimes there's a breakdown between us and the intention. And one of the biggest breakdowns is religion. It's supposed to break. It's, I, I taped it too well. That's what religion does. Religion separates us. It causes something to happen in me that breaks down the communication that I have. Either I saw somebody who wrote an article this last week and he said, just a disclaimer, before I write this article, you need to know that I am a cessationist. So I said, well, I can't read that article if he's a cessationist because I don't believe that God has stopped giving us the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, today. It's only private sin and corporate sin that stops us. It's only private sin or corporate sin that stops us. It's either something we've done or something we've aligned ourselves to that stops us from finding and and walking in the, the power of God. What picture have you got in your head right now? How does God want to use you to accomplish His purposes in George? Why don't you answer that question to yourself? Speak to yourself this morning. What picture have you got in your head? Take away all this stuff, all the excuses. Just you and the word and the Holy Spirit here now. How does God want to use you? Don't draw back. Don't draw back because of failures of the past, please. I want to say to the younger generation, show us your zeal for the things of God. Your energy, get involved with your, the zeal, your energy in fulfilling the things of God. Show us how it's done, the older generation. Show us how that zeal can become a pure zeal for Jesus. If I can speak to the older generation, I'll say, "Don't let the fears of the past distract you. Don't let the fears of the past and the failures of the past keep you from pushing in again. Let's deal with those. Let's deal with those." I am. I am sometimes on a daily basis I've got to ask myself new questions that I asked myself when we started the church the first time around. The spontaneous obedience. Spontaneous obedience. When the Lord says something, it's settled. Let's do it. I've made mistakes. i heard wrong. God has kept me. So it's not about how right we are. It's how obedient we are. I'd rather be obedient with a foolish thing than be disobedient with something that can bring a blessing to somebody. Father, I want to pray that you will give us such a clear picture of your glory. That that city, Father, where that river flows from your throne, from Jesus. That clear water flowing, Father, into the nations. Where all the healing, Father, is in the trees and the leaves and in everything that you've made around that stream. Thank you, Father, for such a richness that you've called us into. I want to pray, Lord, especially that you will save us from this generation that is becoming so offensive to you in many ways. Save us, Father. Help us, Father, not to enter into the argument, but to be the light that shines bright in this generation. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father, above all, I see this city of George. I see that stream flowing through our streets. I see your light shining father in many homes in this city. I see father many many places that are dispensers of your glory in this city. That you raise up people father, you call people for that purpose. So we pray for George Lord. We pray Lord use us. Use us in that picture. Use us Lord to see your healing come to our city. And Father, I want to pray especially in closing that you'd reveal the things in our lives that offend you. Everything, Father. We want you in our corner. We don't necessarily want to be right, Father. We want you in our corner. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. And, and if you're sitting here this morning and you, you're feeling... Um, what can I do? Where can I start by praying? Um, we, we call our prayer session on a Friday morning, Faith Out Loud, because that's what it is, 9 o'clock every Friday morning. And, sorry, Irina, what is your husband's name? Rudolph. <laughs> sorry, Rudolph. <laughs> you you prayed amazing scriptures over these um, names in this bowl. A lot of you have put names and loved ones' names in this, in this last jar that we're praying for. I just want to encourage you, yes, we are praying, we hold it before the Lord, but don't you stop yes, praying yes, either yes. don't stop praying yes. for them, mm-hmm. push in there. there are testimonies coming out of you already. The Lord is busy working so so please don't don't stop praying we're going to pray now. Mm-hmm. I also just want to encourage you um, it's it's a new journey that I feel the Lord's taking me on in my older years is is pushing in in prayer. I I cannot tell you the excitement I start feeling that I've never in my life before, simply because I know God answers prayer. And I just want you to diarize a date, 15th of September. We are getting um, Pastor Eric Patel Patel and his wife. I think most of you will remember. He's a little stick of dynamite that explodes in prayer. And he's going to come and strengthen our prayer muscles again that weekend. So just diarize that one. Thank you, Lord. Love you. pray for us.
0: Father, we look forward so much to hear the testimonies that come flowing out of this jar. We pray, Father, for every person who's mentioned in here, whether it be sickness or salvation. Father, we want to pray that you will um, heal and restore and save in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please share with us testimonies of people whose names you put in here. We want to celebrate those. Just quickly in testimony, Jill and I went up to her... Um, brother-in-law's funeral uh, last week. And um, his name was in our first job. And so we, uh, we could stand there saying, thank you, thank you. I mean, they were so unsaved at the time we put their name in. And we could say, thank you, Lord. The church, the Every Nation Church in Pretoria is rallying around them. I mean, they've given their lives to the Lord. They're involved in the church. It's such a joy to see God take something like they had to turn it around and that Sunday I was standing and my back was so sore I stood up um when there was uh, I, th- I think Wayne, you asked uh, Wayne, did a word. Wayne, Wayne had a word yeah Wayne had a word so I stood up and be, behind where Jack and Toinette sitting now was Lillian and and Brendan were, were sitting there and they put their hands in my back I walked out yeah my back was still the same I'd been about a month my back was sore it was really sore and um We lugged this big case to Pretoria and my back was all the way. It was so painful. It's a Monday. Monday night, went to bed. I woke up on Tuesday morning, not a stitch of pain. Absolutely gone. And when I shared it with Lillian, asked me the next week, how was your back? So I said, it was fine, but it happened on on Monday night. She said, the Lord told me to pray for you. I mean, isn't it wonderful? I, I, I just thank the Lord for an obedient family. Let's go and have some coffee and fellowship. And uh, let's encourage one another. Uh, let's look for the sick to pray for, look to the unsaved to witness.
1: We've got, we got another testimony. we got another. In this one, you About daddy?
2: Yeah. daddy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, family, just before we go, uh, most of you know, uh, hopefully, that my dad passed um, into glory on the 1st of June on Jack and Al's 32nd anniversary. And I was in Joburg, and the morning we woke up, and Daddy drove to the hospital. He was going for a heart valve through the groin. Two-hour procedure, nothing major. Um, and we were there, myself, my sister, and, and Beryl. And two hours turned into four hours. But the morning when I woke up, the Lord gave me a song, and He said, He will not fail. So I said, Dad, let's do this. God gave me a word. God's not going to fail. You're going to be fine. Two hours went into four hours, and then they came out, raced him out. There was a complication. They nicked the valve, and they just couldn't stop the bleeding. 13 hours, Daddy went to be with the Lord. And I said for a moment, Lord, this feels like failing. Can I be honest? You said you will not fail. I expected Daddy to live. This feels like failing. And then I had to do what I believe each one of us do is, I put the flesh on pause. And I say, God, what is true? What is true is his nature. He's a good father. Yes. And God is perfect in all of his ways. So what does that look like? What is perfect in this situation? How do I see the goodness of God when I'm distraught? And the Lord just reminded me. Dad went to hospital 100% healthy. He fell asleep under anesthetic, and he woke up with Jesus. You can't get more better than that. That is not failing. That is success. That is the dream. Everybody wants to go healthy. Nobody wants to be sick. And this is what happened. And, you know, I was so encouraged by the Lord. And then the Lord said to me, there's a number eight. What is eight? I said, Lord, remind me. He says, eight years ago, your dad had his first valve replacement. You had eight more years with him. What does the number eight mean? New beginning, resurrection, eternal life. And I said, Yes, Dad has got a new future, a a new beginning, and a better life. So that number eight was prophetic. An hour and a half later, I was walking and in a parking area close to my car, I picked up, I think it's a car part. I'm not sure what it is, but it's a perfect eight. A perfect eight. I've got a photo, I'll send it, I'll show it to you one day. And the Lord just said, that's your confirmation, Michael. Your dad has been resurrected into eternal life. And you had eight years with him. Isn't God faithful? I just want to give God glory for that. Amen.
0: Anybody need prayer, please come up to the front um, afterwards.